right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Hey, and we got a fun one coming at you today. We got some audio from Bill Self, Grady Dick throughout the show. We've got a Chiefs preview, a little NFL playoff talk ahead of the big weekend, lie detector tests, sports stock market, and plenty of KU basketball conversation. Here's the Chiefs preview. Chiefs, please win. <laughs> Eight and a half point favorites. That's going to be around what uh, KU is That's against TCU, interestingly enough. Yeah, dude, why is there no line? The game is in less than 24 hours. What are we doing? Literally, what are we doing? Who do I need to call? Uh, you know, it's always funny when people are like, Las Vegas thinks this. It's like the actual city is alive. Who Who is the one behind Las Vegas, you know? Like, <laughs> who, who is the guy? Who is Who Las do we Vegas. need to talk to? Who do we need to call? But yeah, uh, as of right now, no line has come out for the game. Now, I'm just basing it. Ken Palm has it as a nine-point game. I'm you guessing it'll be right. I think if I called, right. like, one of the casinos and was like, hey, you need to put a line out for the Kansas <laughs> like, game. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> right on it. Uh, the NFL playoff action continues. We're one step closer to Super Bowl 57 in the NFL divisional round. Check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your NFL winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. So, like, for instance, I can go into the Chiefs-Jaguars game. On DraftKings, and I can click can for I the you, uh, can I tell you same what I want? parlay button. Yeah, tell me. Travis Kelsey, two-plus touchdowns. Okay. Let's see. So you can get any time Kelsey touchdown at minus 130 as part of it, but if it's... Dude, minus one... Gee, um, dude, this guy hasn't scored a touchdown since November 20th. Let's see if I can find the two touchdowns. Can't get a little better odds? Uh, to score two or more touchdowns, Kelsey's plus four twenty-five for that. Okay, yeah. for two. Okay, yeah, so go with that. There. Yep, put that one on there. Um, let's go with. Let's see, passing props: Patrick Mahomes over two hundred and sixty-nine and a half passing yards. That's oh, an that's alt over. line. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that one in there. Yep. Um, what do you think? We don't do a receiving prop. Should we get Juju Smith-Schuster revenge after getting knocked out of last game? Or we can get an alt-line on Jarek McKinnon over 29.5 receiving yards. That's pretty good. I like okay. that one. Yep. Like the Jet? Yep. I'm down for Jarek. So that's three right there. And then, uh, you know, Juju over 39.5. A little bit of revenge? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So if we do those four together, Travis Kelsey, you get two touchdowns or more. Mahomes, 270 or more passing yards. McKinnon, 30 or more receiving yards. Juju, 40 or more receiving yards. That's plus 900 already, and then you're going to get a boost on top of that, which I believe at that point it would be like a 30% boost. So you're looking at over 10 to 1 odds there on that parlay, and I like that. That's a good little parlay. You can do that at DraftKings. I'm telling you, man, Kelsey hasn't scored since November. 
He's 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 been he's, saving them. He's saving he's the. Got to get two. He's got to get two. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code KLWN. New customers can bet just five dollars on the NFL divisional round and get two hundred in free bets instantly. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code KLWN. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. Twenty-one and older. Physically present in Kansas. Bonus issued is free bets. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Ten plus leg required for hundred percent boost. Deposit, parlay, and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com/slash/football-terms. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Kansas takes on TCU tomorrow. Pre-game 10.30. Tip-off noon here on KLWN, your original home for the Hawks. And some, our sister station, 105.9 KISS. Get some brunch. Get ready for the game. Mm-hmm. What's your go-to uh, breakfast food? Go-to breakfast food. Um, you got to have a like? meat in there. Either bacon or sausage. Of course. Yeah. And then, honestly, outside of that, I, I rotate between a few things. Um Pancakes, French toast, waffle, like if you want something like that, okay. if you're feeling something sweet in the morning. Of those three, which one are you putting first? For the most, French toast, for sure. Okay, I agree, for sure. I agree with that. Um, there are some okay. times, though, where I'll just do like a scramble or this, maybe a breakfast burrito. This may be, you know? a, bad, this may be, this may be a bad take. This might start the show, show off with a bad take. I think pancakes are the most overrated, just overrated breakfast food. Why? They're just, they're just bland. They're just nothing. You just, just smother pancakes. it in maple syrup. No. I'd much rather have waffles. It's or more toast. of a conduit for the syrup than anything. I just don't. I just don't get the hype with pancakes. It's pan. It's the the what? It, there's there's nothing there, nothing there. Just give me. Wa- I'd rather, much rather have a waffle or French toast. I I I would rather have French toast, but I don't know. Sometimes you can get more creative with the pancakes. You know, you do blueberry pancakes or chocolate chip pancakes. Okay. That's a game changer. Fine, sure, whatever. Have your chocolate chip pancakes. I'm going to enjoy myself a waffle. <laughs> I just don't get it. I don't get the hype. Okay. It sounds like rather, you just haven't had good pancakes. I'd much rather have a some French toast with some bacon, some scrambled eggs, a little country fried potatoes. Boom. Yeah, my you know if you do breakfast for like a late night or a dinner or something, country fried steak is the go-to for sure. Yeah, that is true. Which I don't yeah. even know if that should be considered breakfast, but you know people eat it's it for on breakfast. breakfast menus, right? Yeah. yeah. Honestly, dude, steak and eggs is really good. Like just any any mm-hmm. steak plus eggs, solid choice. Can't go wrong with steak in general. Uh, True. KU takes on TCU. <laughs> TCU just lost earlier this week by nine at West Virginia. They did. A team that Kansas went on the road and beat by, what, 12? Uh, 14. 14. 14. 14. So, theoretically, Kansas is going to win by 23 on Saturday. Yep. I like that. Yeah. That's transitive true. property. Um, but, yeah, TCU is obviously a very good team. They were kind of in the preseason, you know, the trendy Big 12 Dark horse pick, right? Yeah. They brought all these players yeah. back, almost upset Arizona in the second round last year. But they haven't really been that. They're certainly a very good team. They're just not that. Yeah, they just they sucked early, but they, they barely beat Arkansas Pine Bluff. They lost to Northwestern State. And I I feel like I feel like most people probably at that point just kind of was like, Okay, we can ride off TCU. But you're right. I mean, this is still like a pretty dangerous team and a team that could easily finish in the top half of the conference still. One hundred percent. And when um, you and when you look at what they've done in conference so far, you take away the West Virginia loss. Their other two losses were by two at home to Iowa State, who looks like a top three or four team in the conference, and by four on the road at Texas. So they've played other top teams in the conference pretty close, and they have wins. And they won at Baylor. Yeah, that's that's a very very good win right there, and I, I guess that's the point for me. Like TCU is more than good enough to beat you. I mean, I think we've we've seen everybody in the Big 12 is good enough to beat you. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State almost won in yes. Allen Fieldhouse. Yeah. 
but especially true for TCU. They, they're a very good team. Do I expect them to win the Big 12 or, or be one of the top two this year? No, probably no. not. And if they lose this game, they're going to have trouble doing so because at that yeah. point they'd be three and four. But, like, yeah. they are a very good team that I expect to make the NCAA tournament and probably win a game or two in the NCAA tournament. I mean, this this team is probably what, like a, a six seed, seven seed? I wonder what they are right now. Maybe a bit lower, I guess, if they... They did not play, like, a super tough... Uh, no, they didn't. no, maybe that maybe they might be close to like a ten or eleven right now. Now that I think about it. No, uh bracket matrix has them as a five seed. Oh. Okay. And like the highest five seed. I thought I was being generous seed. by giving them a six. Yeah, this is basically if you view it that way, Kansas is a one seed, TCO five. This is like a sweet sixteen matchup. Except yeah. you get to host it now in Field House. <laughs> um TCO offensively, something that they do that definitely is going to scare you coming into this game. They offensive rebound the heck out of the basketball. This is the 26th best team in offensive rebounding rate this season. Last year, they were first. And last year, that was kind of the difference between the two games. If you remember last year, they played the two games in the same week. The game that was in Fort Worth, they had like 18 or 19 offensive rebounds, and that just took over the game. They had like almost as many offensive rebounds as you had defensive rebounds. The second game, they had single digits. And Kansas was able to win the second game. They lost big in the first game. Um, so for Kansas, can you limit that number of offensive rebounds? Overall, this is not a great offense for TCU. And if you can get them into the half court, they can struggle at times in the half court. But they like to run up and down. They play at a high tempo. They're 28th in the country in an average possession length offensively. 47th in adjusted tempo. They get a bunch of those offensive rebounds. They get to the free throw line a bunch. They don't really turn the ball over, and they shoot twos at a pretty high rate. But they can't shoot threes. They cannot shoot, they threes, shoot threes at all. In fact, against West Virginia, they attempted just eight threes the whole game. Eight. Yeah, so they're they're 338th in the country in the amount of shots that come from three-point range. So to that point, they don't shoot very often. Yeah. And when they do, they do not go in. They are 28.7% from three this year. That is 348th in the country. <laughs> if yeah, you just bad. look at their six Big 12 games, they are shooting 24.7% from three. That is last in the Big 12. Which means they're going to go like seven for 12 probably? Yes. From three? It'll be low. Yeah, it'll be like, you know, eight of 14 yep. or yeah, yep. seven yep. of 12 or, you know, yep. six of nine or something against Kansas where it's like, really? Yeah, the only guy they have that can shoot is Emmanuel Miller. He's mm -hmm. like a 48%. Shooter, everybody else is 30% or lower. Yeah. Mike Miles is kind of a chucker in that regard. Like, he's a really good scorer, but from three, he can be a bit of a chucker. Damian Ball is not a good three-point shooter. Like, they just have a bunch of athletic wings, and that kind of goes into why they are such a good offensive rebounding team. Like, one, they kind of have to because they can't shoot, and two, like, they're more just, you know, physical athletes who play really tough than they are maybe finesse players who are going to hit a bunch of those threes. Um, it's funny because... They're, they're so similar to the where they were last year, and that's, I guess, not a surprise when you view it that, hey, they would just brought, like, everyone back. But you would have just thought that maybe in the offseason, like, Jamie Dixon would have been like, hey, we were good last year, but we could take the next step this year. You know what killed us last year? We were 321st in the country in three-point percentage. Maybe we go out in the transfer portal and bring in a three-point shooter. It was or like, maybe nah. we just lean into it and be even worse and see how that works. <laughs> I just... I don't get that. But, yeah, you do expect them to have, like, a better three-point shooting game just because that's what tends to happen that's, against that, Kansas. Yeah. We'll see, um, though. But, yeah, overall, because of that, it, it certainly limits the ceiling of what their offense can be. Um, but they do have certain traits that Kansas is going to have to deal with. On the defensive side of the ball, they are a top-20 defense in the country. 
Uh, 34th in effective field goal percentage defense, 19th in turnover rate. They're 24th in three-point defense. They don't allow teams to get a lot of threes off. They're 78th in two-point defense, uh, 34th in block rate, 24th in steal rate, 28th in non-steal turnover rate. Um, so far in Big 12 only games, they're first in the conference in steal percentage, and they're second in turnover rate. So uh, a good defense, an aggressive defense, and once again, that is a key for Kansas, not turning the ball over a bunch. Yeah. Which yeah. they had some troubles with that early against Kansas State, and late, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely late. The Kansas State game actually tied the most amount of turnovers Kansas had in a game. They had 15 of them. Hmm. Now, it took through overtime. But I will say... Kansas has done a good job at no, not turning the ball over a ton. Really pretty solid in conference play. I think you outlined it. You know, nine, nine, twelve, twelve. That's usually been their numbers in, in conference play turnover, right? And twelve turnovers, especially in, in conference play in a, in a conference like the Big Twelve that has so many good defensive teams, like that's really good. I think that's really, really good. So I think I think you feel actually okay there. Um what's interesting to me is TCU's three point defense. If if that continues, KU just had a bad shooting game against K State. What does that mean for this game? I don't know. But what's funny is, so I think it, it means you feed KJ. Well, as great as a offensive rebounding team as TCU has been, and this goes back in line with KJ possibly having a big game. They've not been a good defensive rebounding team. They're two hundred and ninety first in the country in defensive rebounding rate, and in Big Twelve only games, they are last. Tenth of ten. And Kansas right now, you may have seen the step. Kansas is second with the Big 12 in rebounding. So while rebounding, I feel like at times has been sort of a, a trigger word or a hot topic, like Kansas has actually been a pretty solid rebounding team in conference play. So far. Yeah, the Iowa State game was kind of just the one game where it was like, you know, they yeah, where they have struggled. A, yeah. yeah. So this one's a different challenge because of what TCU is, but I kind of expect both teams to get a good amount of offensive rebounds. And, you know, I go back to, like, the Seton Hall game earlier this year. Um, Seton Hall came into that game, and that was one of their strengths, their offensive rebounding. But also, just like TCU, they struggled with defensive rebounding. And so what Kansas was able to do in that game against Seton Hall um, was, even though Seton Hall got, you know, a fair amount of offensive rebounds, they had uh, nine of them. Kansas was able to get 11. So you basically, you neutralized one of their strengths. And I wonder if you can do that in a game like this because of their defensive rebounding. We know KJ can be a good offensive rebounder. Yeah. I mean, the wings tend to be like solid offensive rebounders. And I, I think Grady deserves a lot of, or a shout out here, just because there's been game in games where he has been less effective Scoring-wise, either because the defense has been trying to take him out of it or because against the K against K-State he just was not very good. He's usually still a guy that has learned how to play under Bill Self in the sense of he still is, is doing more of that type of stuff rebounding-wise and whatnot. I would say quite a bit more than maybe early in the season. And I think even, I guess we have his audio coming up here in a little bit, but I think even he made a comment about it of saying like, He's kind of figured out how to how to play in the Big Twelve, quote unquote. Which you know, like that. I think that's that's a quote that's like really interesting, but also kind of hard to explain to somebody who doesn't watch Big Twelve basketball. Mm -hmm. Where right. it's like, what do you mean? What is what does that mean? How to play in the Big Twelve? Well, it just you just have to watch Big Twelve games and see and just understand it, right? Or in the case of Grady, you have to play in Big Twelve games, and then you just kind of you just kind of learn how to do it, right? 
Did you know in conference-only games, KJ is first among Big 12 players in effective field goal percentage and true shooting percentage? That doesn't shock me, considering he didn't miss a shot against K-State. He's also he fifth in offensive rebound rate. He is 10th in block rate. He's fourth in getting to the free throw line. He's fifth in two-point percentage. Also shooting 67% on free throws, which for him will get it done. Yeah, especially considering what he started the year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah I mean, really there's, there's no question that KJ, I mean, I, I talked about earlier in the week about how not only to me has KJ proven his effectiveness just simply from a scoring standpoint, but when you watch KU's half-court offense, it's pretty much predicated on his action with Dewan Harris in the high pick and roll. Like, almost all of KU's half-court offense, when their starters are on the floor, usually starts with a high pick and roll at the top of the key, and either Dewan gets it to KJ, who then can either go score or kick it out to a shooter or Grady or whoever, or Dewan rolls off of that and plays it to somebody else who's cutting or something. So it's not only that he's scoring, it's that him being on the floor is what unlocks sort of the beginning of the Kansas half-court offense with him and Dewan and the yeah. chemistry they have. Well, this is going to be a really fun matchup in terms of some of the player matchups there because KJ versus Eddie Lampkin is certainly interesting. You have the yeah. the strength of both players. Lampkin is this gigantic human. KJ is just a strong dude in general, but KJ has the athleticism part of and it. And the quickness. The quickness. Yeah. Um, you have Dewan Harris versus possibly Mike Miles where Dewan just locked up Noel. How can he do against Mike Miles in this game? That sucks, Noel. <laughs> Damian Baugh uh, could be matched up with like Grady Dick, which is like a really physical guy against more of like a finesse shooter. That could be really interesting. You have Emmanuel Miller, who you mentioned, really good shooter, is kind of a, a stretch four man who's a wing at like 6'7", 220. He's been a really good offensive player, rebounder, defender for TCU. Him and Jalen, that should be a great matchup. Like This is going to be a, a really fun game in terms of just a lot of the individual player matchups. Is there one that, that you're most interested to see how it goes or, or that you feel like is really favored in KU? I think it's the KJ versus Eddie Lampkin matchup because like I just talked about with that high pick and roll action that KU runs. Like If Lampkin tries to come out and, and guard that or hedge off of Dewan or whatever, I think KJ is just going to be rolling to the basket, probably kind of wide open a good chunk of the time. So I'd be curious to see what TCU wants to do to defend that. Now, on the flip side, like, Dewan, he's not a great shooter, obviously, or he hasn't been shooting well lately, and he's not really necessarily known for his just straight-line driving ability. So you could probably, like, lay off that a little bit and just let Mike Miles work through that screen a little bit and maybe give yourself some time to, to, to get back onto KJ. But I still feel like that's that favors KJ certainly at the offensive end. And defensively, like, yeah, Lampkin is a pretty big dude and he's physical, but... I don't think KJ is going to shy away from that or it's going to deter him really at all on the defensive end. I think that's it's going to be a pretty solid matchup both ways, and it's one I think Kansas can and certainly should try to exploit, especially with, like I said, you, get, you set that high pick-and-roll screen way out near the top of the key, and KJ getting downhill using his speed to get away from Lampkin, I think there's going to be openings there. KU wins if what? If KJ continues to do what he does, as I just talked about, and if McCuller contributes offensively. The McCuller one is is very interesting <laughs> with how he has kind of struggled of late. Okay, but okay, this that's one of those of like, when you say KU wins if, like KU 100% wins if Kevin McCuller contributes yes. offensively. Yes, yes, I feel very Whereas confident Whereas it's like, yeah. I'm saying, when I, when, I, when I say that, it's like, I'm not saying like, they might win if he contributes offensively. They will win. But even if he doesn't, they can still win. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it makes sense. Um, 
it's funny because for a while early this season, everybody was like, oh, Jalen Wilson, like when he's at home, his splits on his shooting are just absolutely incredible. For whatever reason, it's the opposite for Kevin McCuller. Not that he had a good shooting game like in Manhattan or something, <laughs> but I'm looking at it now. He's only shooting 24% on threes at home. He's at 33% on the road. And mm, that's interesting. I don't remember. I, I think last year, the game that was played in Lawrence, he went like one for 10 when he was with Texas Tech. <laughs> really? I could be wrong from that, but like I, I remember it being a bad game. So I think. I, I think the conversation but Bill dude, Self had okay. with him, maybe that's helpful. I when I say McCuller contributes offensively, I'm yeah, saying the game like, in, okay, he the just game gets in like Kansas. 10 points on like four of nine shooting, and he hits like one. Yeah, three. yeah, I agree. But So the game in Kansas he played with Tech last year, he played 44 minutes. Would you like to guess how many points he had? Oh, boy, I'm guessing it's like three. Two. He <laughs> went one of 11. So I, I think that Kevin McCuller... Just sucks has it out. Something I don't know. He's or maybe that's like it's like some he hasn't kind of gotten used to Allen Fieldhouse yet. I it's guess it's some kind of reverse Allen effect mm-hmm. where it's like because he played at a different school, it's like still 12, welcoming him. Yeah, it's you know? like it's like he but hasn't. I don't know about you yet. He hasn't been integrated into mm-hmm. into the Allen magic or whatever. But yeah, I, I agree. If McCuller contributes offensively, that would be it for me. Uh, the other one for me is that if Eddie Lampkin doesn't have a takeover game, he'll have the occasional takeover game. Um, yeah. If he yeah. doesn't have a 16 and 10, if he has one of the games where he just has eight and six, like you I think you're going to be fine. Yeah, you feel pretty good. Uh, TCU wins if what? Well, on the flip side, if yeah. he does have a takeover game, basically, if he does have a takeover game, or if KU gets into foul trouble. I, I mentioned this, I think this was a couple weeks ago now. We talked about how the Tennessee game, we saw what happened in that game when Dewan Harris got in foul trouble. But I kind of asked the question of, well, we, what's going to happen when other guys get in foul trouble, when it's KJ, when it's Grady? Well, we... We kind of saw that against K-State, and look what happened. It was another loss. So I think TCU wins also if KU gets into foul trouble again. And I would wonder from the TCU standpoint if Jamie Dixon or the coaching staff for TCU doesn't go back and watch the K-State game and say, okay, well, we're just going to bum rush these guys and try to get them in foul trouble early because, I mean, that's how K-State basically won the game was KU just their starters fouled out and they didn't have anybody else. So I wonder, I wonder if that will be a strategy like, I'd be curious to see, especially early in the game, if TCU is just going to force feed Lampkin in the post on offense and try to get KJ to get a couple quick fouls on him. So I think TCU could win the game if that happens, if KU gets in foul trouble again. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I would just say TCU wins the game if they have a big offensive rebounding game. In games where TCU has gathered 30% or more of the offensive rebounds, they are, let's see, they're 14-4 and four overall right now. They're 12-1. and one. In games where they get less than that, they are two and three. Yeah. And in Big Twelve play, they're zero and three when that happens. So, uh, if you if you they're they're going to get offensive rebounds, they just are. That's part of their game plan. But if you if you limit it from taking over the game, and you limit their possessions for a team that doesn't really maximize them because they can't really shoot from the outside, you should be okay. All right, we're going to take a timeout here with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We got some Grady Dick audio, some Bill Self audio. We'll share that coming up next. Looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering? Venue 1235, a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, covered patio, located right off downtown or I-70, five minutes from downtown Lawrence. You can go by for some of their upcoming events. They've got a uh, comedian coming in. They've... um, 
got a uh, big wedding event venue where you can come in and try a bunch of different things you would have at a wedding, like different cakes, different types of food, all sorts of stuff. So uh, check that out with Venue 1235. Okay, the Kansas City Chiefs take on the Jacksonville Jaguars on uh, Saturday. By the way, we're going to be airing Westwood One coverage of the AFC-NFC Championship games over next weekend, as well as the Super Bowl, a couple weekends after that. So that's exciting. But uh, Chiefs trying to get into that AFC Championship game for what would be the, what, fifth year in a row? Chiefs, please. They've hosted, what, four consecutive AFC Championships? Uh, yeah, I think so. So a chance to possibly be five if they win and the Bengals win. Otherwise, they'd just be in the AFC Championship game for for the fifth straight year. Which, either way, yeah. that's pretty remarkable streak. Very good. Which that's that's kind of what like the, the very, Patriots did with Tom Brady. Very, very, very good. Mm-hmm. Like really good. Now this is the second meeting between these two teams, um, and the Chiefs won that first one rather easily. I think twenty-seven seventeen was the final yeah, they score. Were up, they were up twenty to nothing in the second quarter. Is that true? Yep. And really? Then they, and then it was halftime. It was 20 to 10, I think. I just remember it was a game where they, they won easily and were never really threatened. But at yep. the same point in time, they did a lot of things that were like. No, they 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 were idiots. But yeah. They easily like, won the game. They could have easily won that game by 20 or maybe even 30 points, honestly. Uh, yeah, correct. They, I think, had three turnovers. Mahomes had, like, an interception or two. Isaiah Pacheco had a fumble. And then you had a uh, – maybe there was another turnover in there, too. But they also lost an onside kick. Like, uh, yeah. I think it was to open up the game. Yep. The was... Chiefs received, and the Jaguars did a, a fake onside kick. Yep, to begin the game. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then you had Jaguars safeties trying to, like, consistently rip off the heads of Chiefs receivers. Ended up in a concussion for Juju. Yep. All so sorts of mistakes, but they still won happen. by ten and were never really threatened. So, I mean, if it if it goes like they were, they were up twenty to seven and a half. So if you just say, well, instead of playing their D game, the Chiefs are going to play their C game this time, they should definitely win. But the Jaguars are definitely better, a lot better than they were at that time. Yeah, they're a lot better. But back to what uh, what you were saying about the onside kick thing, I I don't think the Jaguars are going to punt. Why would they? I think Doug Peterson. I do is, think they'll play really aggressive. I think aggressive. Doug Peterson. This is this is a kitchen. This is everything but the kitchen sink game for Doug Peterson. I think all hands on deck. Literally every single trick play you can imagine. Every single. I mean, if it's like fourth and crazy, whatever, they're gonna punt. Well, I know, but I, I think, know what you mean. They're gonna but, play very aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I that's what I'm expecting, and I think the Chiefs need to anticipate that. Need to anticipate that the Jaguars coming into the, coming into this game are going to play. In a very aggressive manner, they're probably going to go forward a lot. They're probably going to take a lot of risks. They're probably going to run some trick plays because they know that they're pretty big underdogs and that's their best way to win the game probably. And Doug Peterson is the type of coach that I think also has the stones to actually yeah. go through with doing that. Yeah, he's stuff. ballsy. We saw him go for the two against the Chargers. Obviously, yeah. the everybody remembers the Super Bowl play against the Patriots, the Philly special that like everybody runs now, but that kind of <laughs> – there were other teams that ran it before them, but that really made it popular, Yeah, uh, especially in that moment. Now, the first time they played, too, I, I thought there were a couple interesting individual games for, for the Chiefs. Isaiah Pacheco, that was his breakout game, remember? At that point, it was still kind of like Clyde was was getting some of the role, and Pacheco was getting some, and Jet was getting some. Do you feel bad for Clyde at all? No, not really. I mean, he's... Because he sucks? He's made millions and millions of dollars, and he'll continue to make millions and millions of dollars, and to, he's, to be... it, it's not like he's never going to play football again. No, you know I know. what I mean? Like, no, I know. It might not be with the Chiefs, but like... No, I understand. Yeah, uh, no, I don't feel bad. Um, okay, 
but Pacheco is like has taken off, and that was kind of the first game. Like yeah. it was, um, that was the game where he even fumbled on that first drive, and Andy Reid went back to him. And at that point, it was like, okay, maybe this is the the true signaling because I think there was the week before that Andy Reid had Isaiah Pacheco start the game, but he only had like four carries and Clyde had like five, and it was like, okay, he started, but that didn't actually mean anything. <laughs> this was the first game it started to mean something, and it's yeah. obviously carried over as Pacheco has been better than Clyde has been in, in any of the past few years, and that yeah. started with that game. The other one was the Kadarius-Tony game. Uh, I think this was the second game you had him after the trade. The first game was like the Titans game, right, on Sunday night? Yeah, I think that's But the right. Titans game, he like sparingly played, you know, it was just, a few snaps here, there, turning punts. But I remember I think, they maybe. got him the ball a lot. Yeah, they did. Still. He had the uh, opening drive touchdown when he was like the the fifth option for Patrick Mahomes. He just yeah. threw it in the flats and he like hopped into the end zone. He had the the one crazy catch on the sideline where he kind of like mossed a guy. Yep. He he was pretty involved. He had six touches, ninety yards, and a touchdown. And I think that's pretty prevalent for a guy who, especially with McCole Hardman out for this game, he's going to have a pretty important role and. Yeah. All of the questions, like we had Josh Briscoe on earlier this week, and I thought he, he phrased it perfectly. All of the questions about Kadarius Tony's health still apply, but that stuff is more about the long term. We're in the playoffs now. You unleash the governor and you say, <laughs> give him the ball as many times as he can if it's working. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I agree with you. I mean, saving him for what? What are you saving him for right. now? It's this playoffs is, this now. is it. Yeah. This is it. You know, let him, yeah, let him go. Let him go. Let him be free. So, yeah, 100% agree with that. And, yeah, who knows what Andy Reid has been cooking up in his laboratory of play designs with with Tony. I mean, yeah, wait, is that still a thing? I, the Andy Reid off a of bye? I feel like that got brought up so much, but I feel like there hasn't been I as much success off it. Lately. I think it's definitely still a thing, but it's like I don't know, because it's like okay, you know, it's like you have a thing, right? And then everyone talks about it, and then it, maybe it doesn't happen as much or whatever. Does it? Is it still a thing at that point, or does it fade into something else? At what point does it become not a thing? Uh, I guess when we just stop talking about it. I just feel like I, I haven't heard it as much this week, but maybe that's just me not not doing stuff. But, I mean, he is 27-4 and four off a of bye in the regular season? Yeah. I mean, that's that's absolutely incredible. That's very good. Very, very good. I wonder what his postseason record is off a of bye. I mean, well, with the Chiefs. I mean, has he? It's he's undefeated with the Chiefs. No, because they would have lost the the Steelers game. Um, oh. Whatever that was, like 2016, 2015. Were they a one seed that year? They were the two seed, and the Steelers were the three. That was the uh, Carl yeah. Jeffers game, the the Travis Kelsey. Oh, the Travis Kelsey, this guy shouldn't work in Foot Locker <laughs> yes, game. Yes, that game. Um, yeah, dude, this guy can't even work at fit, Foot Locker. <laughs> Hit him with the Foot Locker. But yeah, I mean, when, you, when, you look at, you... when you look at the Mahomes games in the division round, like they, they've gone pretty well. Right, I mean, the the Bills I mean, game listen, was I, super close, but like you think about it, the Bills game you you had to play a perfect game offensively, and you basically did. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I mean, and that's what Andy Reid mostly controls. I mean, listen, given the circumstances, this is as good as it gets for the Chiefs. You're playing the yeah. Jaguars to go to the AFC title game. Yeah. The Jaguars. Yeah. To go to the AFC yeah. title. No, game. it doesn't guarantee you win, but this is this is about as favorable as you could have hoped coming in, right? Jaguars yeah, can obviously also, win the game. But you don't want to overlook them. Yeah, right. You don't want to overlook them. No. Yeah. Because you're right. The Jags. They're, they're a much better team now. The Jags now. Are, are a lot better than they were when they played the Chiefs. I think when they lost to the ago. Chiefs, that put the record at three and seven at the time. Yeah, it did three and seven. Um, so since then, they've won seven of their last eight games, and it's been kind of a combination of things and what they've got better at. 
I, I mean, one, if you look at the schedule, who they beat in the seven of eight, like none of the games really. I, I the guess Texans the Cowboys twice, would be the one. The Colts. Yeah, like the Titans, you know, Titans. Were beat up. Malik Willis <laughs> is playing these games, and the Titans ended up Josh not being Dallas. nearly as good as we yeah. thought, right? Uh, the Cowboys is the one where oh, was I like, always knew that was Titans. really good win for them. I always knew the Titans sucked. Yeah. But even then, it's like, hey, somebody has to win these games. And previously, the Jaguars of the past are losing a lot of those games even, yeah. even to a weaker schedule. Yeah. So they got much better. Trevor Lawrence, after the Chiefs' loss, averaged about 260 yards per game, 17 touchdowns to six picks. And that even includes, I'm including the postseason numbers, that includes the four interceptions. If you take out the, the four picks against the Chargers, those numbers look a lot better, but they yeah. already look pretty good there. Yeah. Um, ETN really got it rolling. Christian Kirk has been really good. He was actually really good against the Chiefs. Remember, I didn't really remember, remember this. He had, he had two touchdowns in the game against the Chiefs. Yeah. Remember when the Jags signed him? Everyone was like, "Oh, why are you playing? Why are you paying Christian Kirk? You know, eighteen million a year. He's been good. He's he good. Wasn't I, I don't know if he'll be worth that long term, but he's been very good for them. He's been very good. Uh, the run defense has been a lot better. I mean, they're seventh in the NFL in rushing yards allowed per attempt. The defensive line has, has played really good, like Josh Allen, kind of keen things on the D-line. They got Devin Lloyd as a linebacker who he's kind of Nick Bolton-like in terms of he'll he'll struggle in pass coverage sometimes, but he can be a good run defender. Yeah. Um, and then they have like that kind of hard-hitting secondary with like Andre Sisco and, and some guys back there. Um, so it's, they've been a pretty good team. Like They're in the division round. This is one of the best eight teams in the NFL, yeah, essentially. They, they came back from down 27. Anybody can beat anybody. Against the Chargers. And it is a, a bit scary that We've seen, and, and especially all season long, the Chiefs in games where they're heavily favored or expected to win by a lot. They around. Yeah. They mess around. Andy Reid runs HB dive 100 times for no reason. Yeah, it's that's stupid. Okay. Does that change what? at all because it's playoffs? <sighs> Man, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> what alarms you more? Okay. Chiefs being favored by a lot or the fact that this game's on a Saturday? And Trevor Lawrence and the Trevor lost, Lawrence thing. Trevor Lawrence has never lost on a Saturday. Which is more concerning? Probably the Trevor Lawrence Saturday thing. Not the Chiefs have being a big favorites. No, like we still have seen the Chiefs sometimes be big favorites and like win the game. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, they do. Yeah, I mean, they win more often than not, but they don't. They don't cover. No, I totally forgot about this. The Chiefs played the Titans. It was off their bye week. That was almost a loss for them off the bye week to an AFC South team. Uh oh. Oh, to Malik. So this Willis. game's gonna be gross. Um. <laughs> Yeah, it's a Malik Willis. Yeah, no, I, mean, I think it's the Trevor Lawrence thing. I don't know. Yeah, you're more concerned about the Trevor Lawrence thing. I, I I guess the way I view it, with them being big favorites, it's one thing when that happens in the regular season, and they're playing a game where they know they can kind of be on on autopilot and still win. Yeah, you're in the playoffs now. It, it doesn't matter how big of favorites you are. <laughs> they should. You're in the playoffs. You should not no, be I, looking I at understand. the other team and being like, "Yeah, we can be on autopilot." They might. They might though. I don't if know. they do, they're going to lose. If they do, they're going to lose. I feel so? confident saying that. This is not one of those games you can do that. Okay. I understand the first game was 10 points, and they were kind of an autopilot. Better Jaguars team. This is the play. You, you can't mess around Does like the can't. potential weather aspect of this game concern you? There's forecasted for snow, freezing rain on uh, tomorrow afternoon in Kansas City. I think, if anything, it makes me feel better. You don't think that favors the Jaguars? Why would that favor the Jaguars? They play they in 80 the, degrees every game. They can game. just run the ball. And the Chiefs' run defense stinks. And the Jaguars' run defense is not that bad, as you said. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Like, when you look at it, it's like, hey, they have this dynamic running back with Travis Etienne. I just... I think that Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars would struggle in that type of environment. 
Okay. Like, remember that stat that came out earlier this year? And the, I don't the, remember. The Jags have, like, never won a game when it's. The, no, the it's, it's not been, never, but it's like. They're like one in 100. It was like they lost, like, 29 straight games in games that were, like, under, under 50 like, 50 degrees. degrees which yeah. wasn't even, like, that crazy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I wish I could see Trevor Lawrence's career splits on this. Because, like, think about it for <laughs> him. Games under 40 he never degrees. plays in cold weather. He went to high school in Georgia. He went to college at Clemson in South Carolina. All their bowl games that are played in, in January are in either Florida or, or like, domes. yeah, domes where they're inside or warm weather states. And then he goes to Jacksonville where they play all their games in the warm weather. And they hosted the playoff game last week in Jacksonville. So, like, yeah. no, I, I understand. I, I think that could be good for the Chiefs, honestly, if it snows. Okay. We, we've seen Patrick Mahomes play well in the snow. Yeah. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes has played pretty well in cold weather games, mm-hmm. actually. Um, so who do you think has to have a big game for the Chiefs? Obviously, minus Patrick Mahomes, right? That's the obvious one. Uh, and, and is there a player that maybe scares th- you most? Like, if I looked at the Chiefs' offense versus the Jaguars' <sighs> defense, who sticks out for the Jags' defense? Who needs to have a big game for the Chiefs' offense? Okay. Is it who do I want to have a big game or who do I think needs to have a big game? Who either needs to or who do you think will? Well, I want to and I hope and I think he will. Travis Kelsey have yeah. a big game. I mean, this is this is his time to shine, man. Come on, you know he's he's been he's been good over the last two months of the season, but he doesn't have a touchdown. And you want to be the greatest tight end ever? Go score a touchdown! What are we doing? So Travis Kelsey, go score a touchdown. Okay, I think, I, uh, I think he'll be fine. And then for the Jags defense, it's, I mean, Cisco is maybe going to headhunt again, which is annoying. Yeah, but I think. I would I would assume that the officials are going to be more on that. I would think. Well, here's the so he like he apparently sent a DM to Juju to apologize, and and that's all fair and well. But if he does it again this game, it's going to be like it doesn't matter. Okay, come on, dude. Yeah, it doesn't like, matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So, I I guess the worry for me, but the biggest worry for me is that Josh Allen eats Orlando Brown's lunch. That would be bad. And he has like three sacks, and he blows up a couple <laughs> run plays, right? That, that would be that a worry would be for bad. Me. Um, bad. As far as who I think, I, I'm interested to see what they do in this game. Juju revenge game. I, I like that after getting knocked out in that one. He was actually having a good game in that one before yeah. he did get knocked out. I think it yeah. was in the second quarter. Um, and he already had like near 40 yards. We haven't even talked about him, but Jarek McKinnon also. Jarek McKinnon. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned, Lloyd can sometimes struggle in pass coverage. McKinnon had six catches for 56 yards in that game. So he was heavily active. And obviously, from that point on, it kind of felt like maybe that was when... Things yeah. started to switch for for him with he stole uh, he's been stealing all of Kelsey's touchdowns. Yes, yeah, yeah. So he's been electric. I I would imagine that's a big one there. Maybe even Kadarius Tony because we talked about how how good of a game he had last time and this time. Now you even expect him to be unleashed a little bit more. Uh, what about the flip side? Anybody stick out to you as as needing to have a big game or could have a big game for the Chiefs defense and who maybe scares you from the Jags offense? We've we've talked about this a little bit over the course of the season, but the Chiefs secondary has been really good given their youth and whatnot. But they don't have any interceptions. They don't get any interceptions. So I'm looking at Trent McDuffie or Legarius Sneed. Go, go get a turnover. Like go. Who, who? Would anybody die if you guys caught a ball? Yes. Thrown from the other team. Like I'm looking at one of those guys, McDuffie or Legarius Sneed. You know, you're you're playing a less experienced quarterback in the playoffs in Trevor Lawrence, who could be who is is going to be playing outside of his element in the weather, as we just alluded to. He may be looking to force some stuff, and I would want to see the Chiefs try to force a turnover that way. So one of those guys. 
And then on offense for Jacksonville, I mean, I think it's got to be ETN. I mean, he's their most dynamic player offensively with the ball in his hand. But Kirk, as you said, had a great game against the Chiefs when they played earlier in the season. So a couple guys to keep an eye on. Yeah, Kirk had nine catches for 105 yards and two touchdowns. Um, just Trevor Lawrence being in on a Saturday. Uh, I if you can, yeah, if you can hold DTN down to you know forty or fifty yards, I think that would be big. Um, so I think but, he only had like seventy yards in the mm-hmm. first game, which it's, I guess is a decent amount. Uh, between Zay Jones and Christian Kirk, it's one of those two going off. Whichever one's not being guarded by Trent McDuffie, that that scares you a little bit. But I do think this go around, Legarius Sneed's going to be more in coverage on those guys than maybe the first one. Will Chris Jones get a sack? I was just going to say, what do you think happens first? Chris Jones gets his first postseason sack, or Trent McDuffie gets his first interception? I would probably pick Chris Jones. I think I agree with you. I'd probably go Chris Jones. But what if both happen? That would be very if good. If both happen, Chiefs win, guaranteed, yes, right? Easily, 100%. Okay. okay. Yes, blood bank. So, I mean, at the end of the day, Jacksonville, much better than they were, but it's still a 10-8 and football team. They have flaws. Kansas City is 14-3. and You have Patrick Mahomes. You have Travis Kelsey. You have Andy Reid. Just win the damn game. Chiefs, please. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. I'm begging you. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Game picks next. It's that time of the week on Rock Chalk Sports Talk for game picks of the biggest games ahead from this weekend. Well, that sounds great. And you know what? It'll be nice having a little extra cash to bet on college football. Right here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Yeah, I'd like to bet 100 bucks. You want to pick a team? No, just take it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. About half past the hour with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We'll get to lie detector test, then some more KU basketball talk a little bit after that here on RCST. Our game picks for the season. Nick is 90-105. He is 108-118-7 if you include locks. I am 91-99-5. with locks. So I have finally surpassed you. For, with I the was, locks, uh, yes. I was not. I was down for I think like the whole season. You've been much better with locks. Surge. That's been very helpful. I'm one game surge. better if you discount the locks, though. So I'm holding on to that. Um, NFL, you are 45, 45 and five. You went four and two last week. I did horrible last week. I went one and five. I am now 47, 43. Yeah, I've been good. Five. I've been good uh, with the playoffs and towards the end of the season. Yes, you have. You've been on a tear. I've been on an opposite. <laughs> okay, into the NFL. We just got done talking about the Chiefs-Jaguars game. Jacksonville at Kansas City, minus 8.5. I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I don't feel great about it because I think they might screw around, and if they get a big lead, they might not win by 8.5. But listen, they played bad, and they screwed around the last time they played the Jags, and they beat them by 10. So give me the Chiefs. I just continue to not be able to shake from my head that the Chiefs in these games play a lot closer. Plus, we know the history with the AFC West versus the AFC South in these playoff games, yeah. including last week with the yeah. Chargers game. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Give me Jacksonville. Boo. Sorry. Too many points. <laughs> it is Too a lot of points. points. It is a lot There is points. a uh, – this is interesting. I don't know if you saw this on DraftKings, which use code KLWN. There's a boost right now. You can get the Chiefs minus six and a half. At plus 100 on DraftKings. So if you want to bet on the Chiefs, don't bet on them minus 8.5. Go to DraftKings, use their boost, get them at minus 6.5, and it'll be plus 100 as opposed to minus 110. That is pretty good. So there you go. Yeah, do that. 
Okay, on to the uh, other game on Saturday. It is in the NFC. The New York Giants are at Philadelphia. The Eagles are minus seven and a half. Yeah, I, this minus seven and a half in Philadelphia is kind of a lot. I mean, I guess they're really banking on Jalen Hurts playing, which I think he's going to. But listen, the Giants' backups almost beat the Eagles two weeks ago. So I'm going to go with the Giants. I've been right. Listen, I have been riding with. I think the Giants are probably the team that I have picked the most the whole season. And they've done actually pretty well. So I'm going to pick them again. Give me the Giants. I'm going the Giants as well. And dare I say, the Giants pull the upset straight up. Boom. I tried to tell you, man. It's. Are you excited for Brock Purdy versus Daniel Jones for the Super Bowl? <laughs> it's going to happen. Yeah, we actually are very dangerously close to that happening. Um, no, I, I just think that I don't like the way that the Eagles have trended toward the end here. They barely got into the one seed. Jalen Hurts is still kind of playing injured. And, you know, with the Giants, they almost beat the Eagles in the last week of the regular season. That was yep. even with the Giants sitting like all their yep. players. Yep. yep, 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 yep. Giants are hot. Daniel Jones is hot. Yep. Um, He looks really good. Saquon Barkley, unstoppable. Yep. I feel like this year, Saquon Barkley has been the guy that everyone has thought he was going to be for like the last three years. Mm-hmm. But now it's actually happening. Yeah. And I think the Giants come through with the upset victory. Oh. Giants money line? So definitely plus seven and a half because, yes, I am taking the money line as well. Wow. Cincinnati at Buffalo. The Bills are giving up five and a half. All right. This is a real head scratcher. I, nobody seems to have any explanation for why this line is minus five and a half. And it's it's actually gone up. It was five. Now it's five and a half. I, I, don't, under, I don't understand. This Everything indicates that this is going to be an extremely, extremely close game. I think most people would probably think the Bengals are the better team coming into this game. They're playing a lot. I mean, I guess maybe you you would hold that thought and say, well, the Bengals should have lost to the Ravens. But also, the Bills didn't exactly look impressive against the Dolphins. But minus 5.5, Vegas knows something. I am taking Buffalo. Hmm. Why else would it be minus 5.5? This should, that, that, everything I've seen and heard should make that this line should be like two. No, two you're hundred you're hundred percent right, and that and that really does scare me that it's that it could be a Vegas knows something line. I what do they know? I don't know. Well, maybe they know. Maybe like Demar Hamlin's gonna show up to the game, and like, how do you lose a game if he shows up and like gets the fans going? I kind of you know? feel like he'll definitely will be there. Yeah, I mean he's 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 been able to go back to the facilities and like talk to players and stuff. I feel like he'll definitely be there. He might even, he'll probably be on the sideline. I just I, I think it's too many points. I kind of think Cincinnati wins straight up, to be honest. I I understand. I don't disagree with you. But even if they lose, it's just I mean these I'm are just taking this out of principle of Vegas. Well, I'll be honest. I think Joe Burrow is better than Josh Allen. I agree, hundred percent. And Josh I Allen think stinks. the Bengals have better weapons. They do. I mean, the, the Bills do have good weapons with like Stephon Diggs and Dawson Knox is a solid tight end. But like Bengals are better. Yes, Bengals are better because they have. They don't just have better the top receiver, Jamar Chase. They have D. Higgins, too, and Tyler Boyd. Significantly and better Joe running Mixon, right? Yeah. Josh Allen um, doesn't stink, but he's not that good. Now, the Bills he's, do have a better fine. offensive line. Yeah. Uh, defensively, the Bills are better, but they have some key injuries, and the Bengals have a really good defensive coach. So, I think this is a close game. I am picking Cincinnati to win straight up, so I'm definitely taking them plus the five and a half, even if it is a Vegas knows something line. Okay. Last one, Dallas at San Francisco. The 49ers are giving up four. Yeah, I'm taking San Francisco. I understand. I actually, in my, so, okay. The Dallas-Tampa Bay game was, it was like 
how is Dallas going to screw this up? Tampa Bay is old. They suck. Yada, 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 right? Well, picture this. I just, I just, I just came up with this. Think of this even better. What better way for Dallas to ultimately completely screw this up than to look fantastic against the Bucks? And then you get to play Brock Purdy to go to the to the NFC title game. And you lose. That's even better. For, I'm taking the 49ers. I'm going Dallas, but I don't love it. I kind of think this is going to be a lower scoring game, which we'll get to that here in the locks. Um, okay. But like... I just, I can't get on board with the Brock Purdy thing, and he keeps he keeps overcoming every qualm I have about him. Yeah, let's say what 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 can you not overcome about him? He's elite. No, and and it's not like Dak Prescott's had the best season ever. There were some rumors that uh, Kellen Moore, um, was basically able to snipe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers hand signals. They were calling out to their defense, really, and he knew what they were doing. And that's why they looked so dominant offensively. And that probably won't be the case against San Francisco and they have a dominant defense. So I'm starting to talk myself into San Francisco covering this. I just think it'll be a close game. I'm going to say it's by field goal or less. And to be completely honest, this is the, the game I have the worst feel for of who just wins straight up. So from that standpoint, if I think it's going to be close and I don't know who wins, I'm just going to take the points. Give me Dallas. Okay. You are 8-9-2 and two in your locks of the week. What do you want? My lock of the week is Chiefs one half, first half, minus five and a half. So the Chiefs to be leading by more than five and a half points at the end of the first half. That's my lock. That's interesting because, like, what's interesting? I, I think with the Chiefs, you just assume one of the two halves is going to be great and the other one is going to be meh. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, like, it could be the first half, it could be the second half. I don't know. I think it's going to be the first half. Yeah. They were they were up 13 at the half in the first game. Minus five and a half Chiefs, first half. Okay. My lock. Uh, I'm just seven and 12 in locks, so if you've been fading me, congratulations. Dallas-San Francisco under 46. San Francisco best mm. defense in the NFL. Dallas really good defensive line. We saw them super impact the game okay, against the Bucs. The Niners just put up 41 last week. They did. That's the worry. Um, I, I feel like I've discounted the Niners too much because of the fact that their quarterback situation isn't great. But, like, you sit down and look at it, and you're like, oh, they have maybe the best running back in the NFL. They have one of the best receivers in the NFL. They have one of the best tight ends in the NFL. They have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. Brandon Ayuk is one of the better number two receivers in the NFL. Like, they are so incredibly loaded. Oh, and they have, you know, the best defense in the NFL. Um, But I just, I, I think Dallas can hold them down enough and I, I mean, think Dallas San Francisco pretty good too. If I mean, think about this: if if the over under is forty six, okay. if San Francisco holds the the Cowboys to fourteen points, you're gonna win this bet. I don't see the 49ers scoring more than thirty one. Okay. okay. Now maybe they score seventeen, but like I I still think the 49ers get like twenty four or less. Okay. Dallas is a good defense. Okay. So both teams are gonna try to run the ball. I'm McCaffrey I'm on one end, for the Niners Zeke and Pollard at the like other, thirty eight to seventeen. Well, maybe they just blow them out and win 38-7. We still get the under. Boom. Barely. Still counts. Winner's a winner. <laughs> He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is our game picks for the week. We're going to take a timeout when we come back. Lie detector test. This is RCST. More KU basketball talk in the 5 o'clock hour. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. 
Let's get to our lie detector test for this week. First up, we go to the NFL. J.K. Dobbins, Baltimore Ravens running back, says they would have beaten the Bengals with Lamar Jackson. True. Very true. No lie detected here. Mm. They almost won without him. They should have won. By the way, I just want to point this out. When's the last time you've seen this many games or situations where a fumble at the one-yard line over this short amount of time has, like, changed the outcome of the game? What was the other one? TCU-Michigan. Oh, yeah. Duh. Like, that's two. Which is two too many. two more than you would normally have, you would think. (laughs) Yeah, that is a good point. Um, I don't think he's wrong. Yeah. I mean, you could just look at that one play specifically. Like, Lamar maybe gets in, but also, like, just run HP dive. Don't even run a QB sneak. Yeah. Yeah, Tyler Huntley's not that good. Lamar Jackson is. Motion Blake Bell across the line of scrimmage and let Blake Bell run the QB sneak. Mm -hmm. Well, the counter to that, though, would be that then if they had Lamar, um, the Chiefs would be playing the Ravens with a really good defense in Lamar Jackson this week, which would be a little scary. Would be a lot more scary than the Jaguars. Yeah. Uh, Arch Manning, student ID. It has been lost again. Somebody else posted a picture Wait. with his student ID Wait earlier a this week. Wait a second. I saw the first one. It happened again? Yes. So here is, here's the lie in question. Is someone just having fun at the office and making fake Arch Manning IDs that they're handing out to people? Or did he, ha- did he really lose it twice? Boy, if he lost it twice, Texas is going to be bad. For another four, three, or four years. First of all, how do you lose your ID twice? How does it even happen? Like a two week span. So you're telling me I only saw the picture of like the girl that found it the first time. There was it happened again? There's a different guy holding it with a different hand saying he did it again or something. So do you think somebody at the office is just making fake Arch Manning IDs so that they can go viral on Twitter? What if it's Arch Manning faking his own missing IDs? He has a bunch of ones and he just leaves them there because no no, he, no 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 he gives it he like ha, he gives it to somebody and it's like hey take a picture of this and say that I lost it <laughs> what does he have to gain from that I don't know um where, point, how do you even lose your ID because that's, that's something what I'm that that's it, what I it goes like in your wallet like is he just like holding it and he just leaves it on a table somewhere and then just walks away like yeah I mean I guess like you know you have to when I went to KU, you take your ID out to swipe it for like eating at Mrs. E's diner or whatever, but then you just put it back wherever you keep it. So that's what I don't understand. Yeah, I'm, I'm also lost on that. Very our stock, lost. our we have sports stock market. Our stock market is our stocks down on wallets. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> I just don't use one anymore. What's up with that? Okay, so are you buying? He's just he's just a forgetful lad. He's just. Uh, Do you think this is a a wider conspiracy? I'm buying that he's a forgetful lad and that Texas is not going to be back. Okay. Listen, if your quarterback can't even hang on to his ID, how do you expect him to hang on to the football? What are we doing? Valid point. Okay, uh, this lady. Here's the headline. I keep seven rats as pets. They're not disgusting. Oh. I love them. Oh. Here's the full story in the New York Post. A Netherlands teacher is going viral after revealing she lives with seven rats, and she lets them just crawl all over her. She has, like, TikTok videos of it. That's weird. Uh, She says, 
they like to be with humans. She Okay. She uh says that she got her first two rats when she was 14 and has since become enamored with enchanting them. Um she has over 100,000 fans on TikTok. I don't know if they're fans or people who just watch to be like what is going on here. Yeah. She says yeah. uh I think pet rats don't deserve this negative image as they are so different and nothing like wild rats. Dude, the pictures are bad. I can't even look at them. They like to be with humans, cuddling, sitting on your shoulder, and going wherever you're going. And they even enjoy learning tricks. They're good company, and I think it's very cute when they all sleep together in their hammock. These rats are ratatouille this lady. <laughs> I don't know how or why, but somehow that's the explanation. I. This is so weird. So weird, dude. How do you even like get into this? Was she wearing a hat during the interview? Was she wearing a hat? <laughs> They're underneath the hat, just pulling just her hair, pulling, making her say these things. Oh my gosh! No, she was not, and she's not during the videos. <laughs> uh, it's absolutely disgusting. Um, rats just spread disease and are Listen, very this, gross. Well, this just goes back to one of those things where it's like people just try so hard to like something just because. Everybody else doesn't like it. That's what this is like. Like what? Like why? So Literally does, why? Just well, be normal. That's the question. Does she actually like these rats, or is she using this to become TikTok no, famous? She's using this to become something. I don't know what. I mean, TikTok famous. If if she has over a hundred thousand followers, I don't know how many views she's getting on each of these videos. Um, but like, she's not getting my views. She's making money off of it. I, that I don't. I don't. So care. would you suffocate? I, I don't know how much money. Hmm. I think it. I think there's a lot of different factors that goes into how much money you get from tiktok okay this says tiktok payouts from its funds and ad revenue sharing range between a few cents to around eight dollars per a thousand views so kind of depends but like let's say it's the the high so side if you get a if you get a million views so if you get a million views at five dollars per thousand views sure that would be equal to five thousand dollars for that one video that took you one day to create. That's not that much. She had that one video that she showed them crawling all over her. She had 16.4 million. Oh. So now multiply that by 16. That video would be worth $80,000. Would you I, Would you let no, a bunch of rats... Wait, that can't be right. If it, you, if it was I based don't believe on $5 that your math, per 1,000 views. I, I don't believe that that math is right. Why? I don't know. But I can't do any math. I can't do the math to, 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 to debunk it. You have 16 million views. You divide it by yeah. the thousand by a thousand because that's how many whatever five dollars per thousand views you're getting, okay. and then you multiply it by the five dollars. That's eighty thousand dollars. So let me ask you: uh, if, if you yeah. if somebody offered you we, eighty eighty thousand Nick Nick we need to have dollars we need to have a math teacher on the show. Oh my gosh! To, to check this our, is so simple math. To check Nick. what we're doing, Nick. This is this is very simple math. <laughs> Somebody offers you $80,000 to yeah. let seven rats crawl up and down you for a minute on a video. Do you do it? Maybe. Would you do it? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think know. you would do it. $80,000 is would do it either. a lot of money. I think I would. I would, yeah. Maybe. I would. Just be normal. I know. Just be normal. But yeah, so uh, lying or... Oh, she's lying. She's well, lying. no, she's the rats. The, the I'm telling you, man, it's ratatouille. The rats are ratatouilleing her. I don't really know what that means mm -hmm. or how to clarify it any further than that, but that's what's going on here.
Trevor Lawrence just yesterday said, I can't imagine Arrowhead will be much louder than Jacksonville. Okay, here's where here's where that's wrong in a lot of different situations. Number one, your 32,000 fans in Jacksonville are not loud. Okay, they're in a swimming pool. You have a swimming pool at your stadium. They're swimming. They're not there for the game. They're there to swim in your pool. Chiefs fans, they're probably parked right now down on whatever that highway is to go into the stadium tomorrow tomorrow at 11 a.m. And they're going to be hammered mm-hmm. and really loud. Wrong. It's yeah. Just, I mean, listen, this is this is one of the classic lie detect tests on there where it's like, I bet you Trevor Lawrence in his mind is thinking, this is true, but he's just he's just wrong. He's literally wrong. I I I don't think this is him lying, but I do think it's just wrong. But listen, but also, as a quarterback. You've got to be. You've got to understand when people are asking you questions to to create like a headline like this, and you got to be able to deflect better. Yes, because all you, this you don't want to do is make the crowd more material. rabid. Yeah, you don't want to get bulletin board material to like ask other. Carl Cheffers how that went. Yeah, ask how yeah. it went when you pissed off the Arrowhead crowd. Yeah, did not go well, right? So not yeah. smart here by Trevor Lawrence. I don't think he's lying. So, like I listen, said, I that's just, just think something it's an that as you become more of a veteran quarterback, you understand. You, what, I, what you don't want it, people will try to toss up questions to you in order to get a, a incendiary statement like this, and then use that. Well, what I just don't understand is he's when he is playing, but what's in front Jack of Jacksonville? Average attendance. It's like thirty thousand. I don't know, but like I, I'm sure it's sold out for the playoff game. But like when when he's playing. On Jacksonville's field, they're they're quiet for him because they're on offense. He must have been talking about like when they were scoring to like make the comeback. I guess. But yeah, wrong. Last up, Jim Harbaugh. Wrong. Michigan's NCAA infractions case projects a prolonged path to resolution after football coach Jim Harbaugh's refusal during multiple meetings with the NCAA this week to acknowledge that he lied to NCAA investigators, a source confirmed to ESPN. The story from ESPN. During attempts to expedite the case and achieve a negotiated resolution, Harbaugh refused to acknowledge that he had lied to the NCAA investigators, a source confirmed. He has maintained that he doesn't remember the incident in question, which has led to a standstill in the case. Yahoo Sports first reported these details, which included two meetings with the NCAA this week. An admission that Harbaugh had lied likely would have led to him accepting a multiple game suspension as he faces a potential NCAA level one violation. The initial investigation into Michigan included four level two recruiting violations, which are less significant in scope and punishment. But the potential level one was added, as ESPN previously reported, as part of a more serious charge for not cooperating with the NCAA enforcement staff. This presents an interesting standoff between Harbaugh and the NCAA, one that could potentially drag out for nearly a year per the typical NCAA enforcement and appeals timeline. For now, there appears to be little change for negotiated resolution. This means Michigan faces the belabored proceedings of an NCAA case with the specter of Harbaugh's expected multi-game suspension likely looming over the start of the 2024 season. There's little chance that NCAA enforcement can execute the case before the start of 2023. ESPN confirmed Yahoo's reportings that there's essentially an impasse between Harbaugh and the NCAA as Harbaugh says he doesn't recall the incident in question and the NCAA is insisting he lied. So who lied? Okay, so this is about some recruiting stuff, right? Yeah, so basically he and had a bunch of level two violations, small little recruiting things, 
And basically, the NCAA was like, play ball here. Did you do this? And he was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> who's lying? Uh, probably, probably Harbaugh. I mean, listen, I mean, every school has probably level two recruiting violations of some kind. So he's probably lying about whatever. I mean, this goes back to, it even goes as far well, here, back. What as he, like what the, he actually know, said, he said he doesn't recall the incident. Th- that, well, this even goes far back as like the, the Patino stuff multiple years ago, where it's like either you knew about it, which is bad, or you didn't know about it, which is also bad because you're supposed to be the top guy. Yeah, and to be clear, I don't care about this stuff. So like, I'm actually rooting for Michigan and Harbaugh because screw the NCAA. Screw the NCAA. Yeah, like, no, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. But in this case, like, I think it comes down to that. It's either you did know about it and you are lying. Or you didn't know when you probably should. No, have. but see, he's doing this. That he he said he doesn't recall the incident, so he's not just <laughs> saying no, I didn't do it. He's saying I don't remember. Well, this is what happens when. So all, do you think he doesn't remember? This is what happens when coaches are 65, 70 years old. They they loot. They forget stuff. I actually do believe him. I don't think he remembers. He probably you know doesn't. Many, you know how many kids he recruits? He probably you know doesn't. How many of these little violations he probably does? He he probably doesn't remember what he did wrong. <laughs> he probably doesn't even know he did anything wrong. He just like like it was. Remember when he like slept over at the kid's house? The recruit? Yeah, I do remember. He that. He probably didn't think he was doing anything wrong. He doesn't know. The, he really doesn't know. And and even if he is lying, I don't care. Screw the NCAA. Okay, I'm totally down I'm for that. Screw the NCAA. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down, one to go. This is RCST. More KU basketball talk next. Five o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN or KLWN.com, the KLWN app, or maybe even in the future with the KLWN Ooh. or the uh, Best of RCST podcast. <laughs> Nick Springer, Derek Johnson. Um, we're going to have high school hoops coming at you later tonight. 645, Lawrence High in the Topeka Invitational Tournament semifinals. You can hear Nick Springer with Craig Hershiser on the call of that one. Uh, tomorrow, we have KU Basketball. Noon tip-off, 10.30 pregame for Kansas versus TCU. You can also hear that on our sister station, 105.9 KISS. And then after that, a little bit after that, uh, we'll have the KU women's basketball game. They're on the road against Iowa State at 5 o'clock. Pregame will start at 4.45 here on KLWN. Then uh, Monday, we're going to have some more KU basketball as they take on Baylor. Uh, so KU takes on TCU tomorrow, and we, we previewed the game earlier in the show. You can check it out on the Best of RCSD podcast if you missed it. But, you know, the term must win gets lobbed out way too much, and, and I, <laughs> I just know me saying it here, I, I already want to criticize myself for it because it's, it's certainly not. It, it absolutely is not a must win from the logical standpoint of it. But just from a, a – I feel obligated as a sports radio personality. <laughs> I need to ask the question, when you look at the upcoming schedule for KU, already losing one to K-State earlier this week, a team contending with you for the Big 12 title, for KU to win the Big 12, is this a must-win game? Okay, I actually don't think it's that crazy for you to call this a must-win game. And even Bill Self, in a roundabout way, sort of called this a must-win game earlier this week. If you remember, he said earlier this week that he thought the team that was going to win the league – would be who could avoid losing back-to-back games in conference. KU lost to K-State. This would be a back-to-back loss if we lose again. So in a roundabout way, is Bill Self saying he thinks this is a must-win game? Mm. Well, I mean, so if Bill Self so says, says it, then who am I? It, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. If Bill <laughs> Self says it, then pff, you're covered, man. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, so you're good. But in all seriousness, like, it's a home game. You need to win at home, right? Yeah. Like, I think – I think the path for the most logical path I think you could lay out for KU to win the Big 12 title would be 
if you go eight and one at home and five and four on the road, that's thirteen and five in conference. That's probably good enough, right? So you have essentially one home game that you could possibly drop, which in theory you would think that would be more likely to happen against like a Texas or Baylor, right? But you know, with the TCU situation, it is interesting because this is a team that was a trendy Big Twelve pick, and then I feel like everyone kind of wrote them off early because they sucked early. But like they're still a pretty good team, right? So you still definitely have to take it seriously. But yeah, it's a home game. You're coming off of a loss against K-State. Bill Self kind of alluded to the fact that he thinks that whoever's going to win the league is going to be the team that can avoid back-to-back losses. Maybe it is kind of a must-win game from that standpoint. Yeah, I just I when you look at that upcoming schedule and it really is every game like but specifically the next uh 5 games at Baylor, at Kentucky, I, I I guess I can eliminate Kentucky if we're just talking about the Big 12. But yeah. at Baylor versus K State, at Iowa State versus Texas, and then after that you're at the Oklahoma schools, and uh, it just it, it just never ends because it is the Big 12. But specifically, this stretch is very very difficult. And so if you lose this game, it's not unthinkable that hey, all of a sudden, like because if you view it this way, them going one and one in the next two is not unreasonable, and it would not be the worst thing in the world. But when I say one and one in the next two, you think, oh, they beat TCU at home, then they lose, lose at Baylor, Baylor right? Yeah. Yep. If you just switch those, if they win at Baylor, then I guess it's, it's not that big of a deal. Still kind of fine. But yeah, but you definitely you let TCU court. back into the Big Twelve title race, and yep. yeah, it's 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 like a missed opportunity in that way. And yeah, because TCU sitting at three and three in the conference yeah, right now, which like you can kind of bury its, them. Yeah, which like on its face is like, from that standpoint, it's kind of a must win for them, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you go if you go under five hundred. Almost halfway through conference play, if you're TCU, you're you're kind of out of it, right? Well, I mean, if if we talk about you know what's it going to take to win the Big Twelve, fourteen and four in a traditional year. This year, we we may have knocked 13, it down to thirteen 12. and five. But I mean, with Iowa State and Kansas State and Kansas all at five and one, you know, would it be unthinkable that one of those teams gets to fourteen and four? Maybe not. Yeah. Um. But if fourteen and four, thirteen and five is the number that you shoot for. TCU loses the game. They're three and four. That means yep. they have to go undefeated to get to fourteen and four. <laughs> Only have one loss to get to thirteen and five. That that doesn't seem reasonable. So yeah, it is very much kind of a must win game for them. So it's not a true must win for KU, but certainly it sets you up. I, I think the best way to put it, it puts you in a very bad position if you do lose this game on Saturday to win yeah. the Big Twelve. Yeah, it's at home. You want to defend your home court. You're coming off a loss to K State. You need you need to rebound certainly, and you're on your home floor. Plus, you've got you're staring down the stretch of two tough road games coming up. One of them obviously is a non-con game with Kentucky, but I mean, you still that still matters, right? So, yeah, certainly this is a game that if you're Kansas, it's sort of. It, I mean, I think get right game is not the right phrase because that would imply that TCU is maybe a lesser opponent, which I don't think they are, but a game that you need to bounce back. <clears throat> yeah, and, and they've done so well at that. I, I forget the record. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think you mentioned it. Bill, Bill Self's all of the crazy stats with him of like, you know, everything he does, uh, you know, winning at home, winning versus whatever, close games. Like, Bill Self also just doesn't lose back to back games, like no. basically ever. I wish I could find the record. I, I know it is something incredible, but it's it's funny. So, it's a it's like ninety percent or something <laughs> like that coming off a loss. Like he, he very yeah. seldomly loses back to back games, but yeah. Then again, this year in the Big 12, like it's easier to lose back-to-back games because of uh, all the different opponents. So uh, let's do our game picks for the game. It is Kansas minus um, – the, the Ken Palm line was 9. I'm just going to set it at 8.5 for the purposes for this. 
because I haven't seen a real line come out yet. Uh, the over-under, 145. So Kansas minus 8.5. What do you like there? I'm going to take TCU. I think Kansas will win, but I don't think they're going to win by more than nine points. So I'm going I'm to take TCU here. I think it's going to be another competitive, close game probably. I mean, if you just base it on both the last years, which, you know, different team and everything, those so, TCU hey, are pretty much the same. TCU to win by one to nine points. I was just going to say, I think that's the bet. I would go with TCU yes. plus the eight and a half because it just follows the rule. Any yep. Big 12 team getting eight or more points, yep. I am taking. Yep. Um, at the same point in time, that bet that you just said that we were talking about so much yep. yesterday. Yep. KU, KU by at, one to nine points. KU at home. Probably can get it. In a close game. Allen you know. does its thing. Again, I haven't seen a lineup, but you'll probably be able to get it at like plus 180 or something yep. like that. Yep. I think those are the bets. Those are the bets for the game. Uh, as yep. far as the over-under, it's 145. Uh, I'm going to take the over. I don't feel particularly awesome about it, but I I don't know. I'm going to go with the over. Just because I'm a, I'm a sucker for the over. I I actually do like the over, um, just because both teams play at a fast tempo. Um, so in the case of in the case of TCU, they they play very fast, and and something Bill Self talked about earlier this week, like that they really score in transition. They're averaging the most transition points in the Big Twelve. And I think you can get caught up in the idea that TCU is this super rugged physical team, which they are those things, but that doesn't prevent them from playing a fast tempo. Yeah. And so there is a little bit of a worry if they do muck up the game with that physicality in terms of getting a bunch of offensive rebounds, well, both teams getting foul trouble. Yeah, but but like, think, think about it this way. Like the KUK State game, there was a bajillion fouls mm-hmm. and it was what, 72 72 at the end of regulation? Yeah. So that's yeah. 144. So <laughs> even if you have a bunch but of you're fouls, right there. Yeah. Yeah. So even if you have a bunch of fouls and the game is gets slowed down, whatever, like you could still get there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do think that it'll be kind of open run and gun between the two teams, though, a little bit. So I, I'm thinking both teams get into the 70s and maybe the winning team gets into the mid 70s or the high 70s. And that should be enough to get you the over with 145. So I do actually like that over bet, which. Uh, sometimes in Big 12 play, that can be uh, a little bit of an adventure if you take the over. <laughs> Uh, it certainly has in some of the games, like the Iowa State game, but I feel good about that. So you're seven and seven in the game picks. I'm ten and four. Uh, we'll see what happens on this one. We both have TCU and we both have the over. Okay, Rock Chalk Pick a Hawk. Oh, uh, so we we have made a a Couple change of, to uh, one of the rules. amendments. Yeah, yeah. So the the scoring is still the same. You get a point for every point they score. You get two points for every assist and rebound. You get three points for every steal and block. You lose a point for every missed shot and you lose two points for every turnover they have. Uh, we added the rule a couple weeks ago at the start of Big 12 play that you're allowed to take one player from the other team. Uh, one of the rules we added was an amendment to that where... We are requiring you pick one player. Yes, we are requiring team. because... And we're cutting it down from six players to four. Correct, that's the other rule. So in the past we've been doing six players each, but because the end of the KU bench <laughs> hasn't really produced... Uh, very much. It's just been like, oh, I'll take Zach Clemens. He gets one point. Zach I'll take Zuby Edgeford. He gets negative one point. Rice, I'll take, you know. He doesn't play. So it's just pointless. So what we're going to do, yeah, it'll just be four players each. Essentially, that allows us to take the KU starters, take one of the other players for TCU, and uh, take one bench player, which, I don't know, it could be the bench big, could be Bobby Pettiford. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Just makes it a little interesting. Now, if we ever get to a point this season where the bench does start we can expand. Yeah, exactly. We yeah. can expand a little bit. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, it's our game. We can do whatever we want. Exactly, exactly. It is our rules. <laughs> it is our game. You're not playing. This doesn't impact any of you. So, um, yeah, we'll do it that way. Uh, so, you had the first pick last time. I am up eight to seven right now, but we've been going back and forth. So the trend would tell you that you're going to win this one. Okay. I have the first pick. I'm just going to be simple here. It'll be Jalen Wilson coming off the 38 point performance. How could you not pick him? Get a bunch of rebounds, make a bunch of shots. I love that matchup with him and Emmanuel Miller. Uh, I just think it's a really good, really fun matchup. Now that could be tough for him on the offensive end because Emmanuel Miller is a pretty good defender and has good size, versatility, and speed at the kind of wing four position for them. That could make it tough for Jalen Wilson, but uh, Jalen's just the consistent guy that's going to put up, you know, even if it is a bad shooting game that limits his pickhawk numbers, he's still going to have a high floor, probably get me 20 or 30 pickhawk points because of the amount of points and rebounds that he's going to put up. Yeah. I'm going to go with uh, K.J. Adams. I think K.J. Adams is poised also for a big game. Is that the first time he's been picked second? In this, maybe because it's it's normally either McCuller or Grady Dick. Could be. We've had Dewan Harris, I think, a couple times. I don't know. I think I picked KJ one time. Okay. I think I picked KJ number one overall one time actually, for a game. Really? I think I did. Maybe I didn't. I don't know. But yeah, I think he's gonna have a good game, especially coming off of. Listen, he's gonna be he's gonna be extra juiced up because of how he fouled out to end the K State game. He's gonna have a good game. Second pick, I'm gonna go with Grady Dick. I was thinking Dewan Harris, but. I like Grady Dick as more of being able to score more, so I'm going to go with Grady Dick here. Even though he had, even though he also kind of struggled against K State, one one of eight from three, fouled out as well. I I don't think that he's going to have another game this season where he goes one of eight from three. So I think he's going to be bouncing back. Also, I was just thinking. I guess we can maybe not do this for this game, but mm-hmm. another amendment we could add is if if the player you pick fouls out, you should lose points. Well, we could just do fouls are worth minus one if you want to add that. Uh, that way, if you foul out, it's essentially minus five. Not for this game, but we'll think about okay, it. Okay, we'll think game. about it for the future. Yeah. Because um, that, that would be an interesting wrinkle to throw in there. Yep. Um, and that would certainly mean it would almost be better to sometimes take bench players because they're not going to get as many <laughs> fouls, be. you know what I mean? Could be. Like that would add to the value of the bench okay, players, I guess yeah. I would say. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'd be fine with that moving forward. But yeah, we've already started the draft here, so we'll, yep. we'll, we'll look ahead to that to the future. Um, I, I do like the KJ pick there because of the fact that I think his strength kind of matches up with Eddie Lampkin. I don't know if he's as big as, as Lampkin is, but like but he can use I think speed. he's going to be able to use his speed yeah. a lot in yeah. the game, whether yeah. it's off the dribble or if Lampkin's playing drop coverage and just kind of sitting back, then KJ, he's going to have one of those games where I could see him hitting one or two of those like mid-range shots or also having a good passing game because he's in the kind of high post and Lampkin has to come up. Um, oh, boy. Okay. I, I thought about taking one of the TCU players here, but I don't really know which one I would take because they have a bunch of different players that, that you'd have different reasons to take. Uh, so I'm just going to, whoever I'm left with at the end, I'll take. Uh, I'll go with, I guess it doesn't really matter if I'm going to go with both the KU starters. It doesn't matter what order I'm going to take with my back-to-back picks. <laughs> but just for the just for the purposes of inspiring confidence, okay, Kevin McCuller will be my next pick. Um, Bill Self had a, a, a sit-down meeting with him. Yep. A quote unquote long conversation. Yes, a long conversation. <laughs> Which do by the way, do you think it was a conversation or do you think it was just Bill speaking? <laughs> That's a good question. Um <laughs> probably mostly Bill speaking. But I, I always asked him a few questions. I, I always love that when it's like we had a we had a conversation. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I one guy talked him. and one guy listened. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a conversation. No, he probably he probably asked a few questions like uh how you feeling, you know, how you doing? 
when he first walked into the room. Yeah. Like, how's it going? You know, yeah. you Did you say sorry to the rim after hitting it so many times? <laughs> sorry, that was um, that was me. So I, I I think after this sit down, it's it's worth something here to me. I guess. Um, I've been waiting for Kevin McCuller to to have like a you know 14 point game in Big 12 play. It just keeps not happening. Yeah, I mean, dude, we're on like a six or seven game streak here where we're just like, this is the game where he's gonna bounce back, and he just kind of. If I keep yet. predicting it, eventually I'll be right. I would True. hope. I would True. hope. But yeah. okay, this is this is the best. This is basically if it. Uh, what I'm saying is, if it doesn't happen after this time, I'm just gonna like lay off of it and then. Let it Try happen like naturally. You know what angle. I mean? Just be like, don't yeah, even just, mention I'll, I'll it. Don't even say it, anything. Yeah, don't go even with the flow, it. and if it happens, it happens. Otherwise, I'm not going to like predict it or expect <laughs> it. But this is the time, because of that Bill Self sit-down, that I am going to go for it. So Kevin McCuller, it uh, wouldn't have mattered if I took him here or my next pick, but for confidence purposes, we're going with Kevin McCuller here. Okay. And then I'll go with Dewan Harris, the final starter for KU after that. Um, bad kind of shooting games the last couple games maybe that picks up for him but certainly he's going to get a lot with assists yep if it is an up and down open game with a lot of transition that should benefit his game in terms of those different assists um he is going to have his hands full though because he's probably going to be be running all up and down the court with guarding mike miles if that is the matchup that he's on yeah because miles runs a ton he runs up in transition he runs all around the court and half court to try to get open shots he has the ball in his hand a lot so Dewan could be taking up most of his energy on the defensive side of the ball which could hurt some of the offense numbers here but it doesn't matter I mean it's, it's my third pick so I'll take Dewan all right I think I'm gonna go with the TCU player here and I think there are three clear options you have Mike Miles leading scorer yep Eddie Lampkin the big man who could have a good game mm-hmm or Emmanuel Miller, who is their leading three-point shooter, which leads me to believe that he could be the guy to go off. However, that being said, I would like to point out something. And again, this is something that I think requires some deeper research. Okay. The guy that makes all the threes against Kansas, which usually happens, there's at least one guy. <laughs> yes. It's typically not the guy that's shooting 48%. It's usually the guy that's shooting like 27%. It Which feels like Mike it Miles is shooting twenty nine, Damian Baugh is shooting twenty nine, Chuck <laughs> so O'Bannon shooting thirty one. Exactly. So, so maybe you have a lot of take options Damian there. Baugh instead. Yeah. No, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Mike Miles. I think it's a pretty solid choice. He's he touches the ball a lot. He's probably gonna put up a lot of points. He might he might miss a lot of shots, but I think he'll fill the stat sheet. So I'm gonna he's go kind of like Jalen. Like there, he he might have a game where he only goes four of fifteen. Yeah. But he's still gonna put up like he'll get yep. to the free throw line a bunch. He'll he'll get you yep. 18, 20 points. He'll get you three assists, three rebounds, steal or two. So, so that's my pick. Yeah. That's my first pick. Okay. And I have another pick, right? Or yes. Is it your pick? Yes, you have one more to finish off. Okay. To finish off, I will pick – I'm torn between Bobby and Zuby. I'm going to pick Zuby because I am curious or I wonder if TCU might try to, after watching the K-State game, get KJ in foul trouble early. Perhaps that means that Zuby gets some more time. So I'm going to go with Zuby. Like a week ago, I feel like you would have easily picked Bobby because he was coming off a couple games where he actually was putting yeah. up numbers. Yeah, but then Joe played twenty two exactly. minutes. Exactly. So Bobby like, didn't play really that much at all. And then Bobby the last few games too, it's only been it's been back to the early yep. season where it's like two points, yep. one yep. assist, one rebound, yep. where it's yep. not getting you a pick a hawk stuff. Yep. Um I think that's actually smart with Zuby because if you look at the matchup with Eddie Lampkin, if he's giving KJ trouble or KJ gets in foul trouble or you just need to go to a different center at any point. Yeah. Zach yeah. Clements, we know, can struggle defensively, and that does not seem like a Zach Clements matchup. Now, maybe no. maybe Bill says, hey, we're going to go with Clements Try because he can stretch it. out yeah. Eddie Lampkin Which at the other I, end. I have to assume that's kind of been his thought process with bringing mm-hmm. in Clements the past couple of games. But but I feel like Bill it's values just, defense exactly. more, and that would be the matchup for Zuby. so much from the defense. Yeah, and maybe Zuby can kind of body up with him because he is a bit 
you know, of the stronger side than, than yeah. maybe where Zach is. Yeah. Um, okay, so I have my final pick, so I am going to take, I have to take a TCU player. Um, so you took Mike Miles. Yeah, Emmanuel Miller, he is second on the team in rebounds, second on the team in points. He's third on or, or fourth on the team in assists. He gets over a steal, almost a block. Like, he just fills up the statue, and he shoots efficiently, 58% from the field, 48 from three. Seems like such an obvious pick to take for Pickahawk that he's going to get a lot of points in this. But you have Lampkin, too. I know, but like Lampkin has been very hit or miss. He'll have, like, let me go look at, at Eddie Lampkin's game log drill here. Because, like, you have the West Virginia game earlier this week. He had five points, three rebounds, and he fouled out. But then you go back to the Kansas State game, he had 17 points, six rebounds. He was six of seven from the floor. He was, like, the best player, and he's out there. Yep. Then you go back to the two games previous. In the two games previous, he combined for 10 points, 12 rebounds, so five points, six rebounds a game. But then the game before that, 15 points, 9 rebounds against Baylor. So like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm getting out of Eddie Lampkin. It could be all Big 12 first team performance. It could be, you know, bench center performance. I don't know. So I'm, I'm going to avoid that. I'm tempted to take Damian Baugh because he fills up the stat sheet too. Um, but I just don't know if the shooting's there. So it's between Baugh and Miller. I am going to actually go Baugh because I, I do think Jalen has done a pretty good job defensively this year, and he'll be on Emmanuel Miller. And I'm a little bit worried about Grady Dick guarding Damian Baugh if that's the matchup because even though Baugh is kind of TCU's point guard, Mike Miles is 6-2 kind of the shooting guard. Yeah. I feel like they'll cross match and have Dewan on him and then they'll put Grady on Baugh and if that's the case, uh, Baugh's a guy who gets over four rebounds per game. He's a physical six foot four athletic guard that can really crash the offensive glass too and I think that could cause Grady some issues. He'll get a bunch of assists. He scores over 12 points. He's the team leader in steals. I'm going to go Damian Baugh for the last pick. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And what you said earlier about the three-point shooting thing, like, he's not it's a great three-point shooter, yeah, so exactly. he'll go three for guy. four. I mean, yeah. Desi Sills was a 22% <laughs> three-point shooter, and he, you know. So, I mean, yeah, we'll see if it works out. I mean, I, I think K will win, though. All right. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Sports Stock Market next. This is RCST on KLWN, depending on it. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Nick Springer, Derek Johnson. You can hear Nick on the call tonight with Craig Hershiser over at Topeka West High School for the Topeka Invitational Tournament as Lawrence High is on to the semifinal round of the event. Uh, that game will start at 6.45 or approximately. It's always a tournament game, so you never know when things are going to start. But we'll have that for you here tonight on KLWN and KLWN.com. Tomorrow we have the KU men's game, pregame 10.30, tip-off at noon, and then the KU women's game a few hours after that. But it is that time on a Friday. The stock market is closed. The sports stock market is officially open or closed, one of the two, depending on how you look at it. And first up in our sports stock market here, stock is down on understanding Gen Z lingo. Certainly uh, the case for Stan Van Gundy. <laughs> So Stan Van Gundy takes to Twitter to bemoan load management in the modern NBA and basically says, you know, the NBA is seeing more injuries even though stars are taking games off. There's lighter practices than like the 80s and 90s. So he makes a couple tweets basically saying, you know, yeah, I, I, we, there's clearly something more going on here versus, you know, just how they're handling the current situation. Kevin Durant responds to that on Twitter and says, Stan spitting. <laughs> like spitting facts, okay? Which is for Gen Z people. Stan Van Gundy misconstrues this that Kevin Durant is like insulting him or attacking him. So then he responds to Kevin Durant and is basically like, 
oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, Kevin Durant, whatever, blah, 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 makes this response. Somebody then responds to Stan and says, Stan, spitting means that Kevin is agreeing with you. It equals spitting facts. And Stan then responds to that and says, I had no idea. <laughs> so Stan Van Gundy basically arguing with himself on Twitter, which honestly, that's pretty common of Twitter, right? Or you end up arguing with yourself. So yeah, basically he thought that Kevin Durant was trying to insult him or disagree with him when all along. It goes back to that old age-old tweet of, somebody on Twitter always thinks that somebody else is trying to argue with them. Yes. When really he was just trying to agree. I know. That's, yeah, that, that, that might be the most Twitter thing of all time. It's just like, it cracks me up too, you'll see people, and I've done this before too, because you can't illustrate, you know, certain conversation constructs over social media yeah, and like over text messaging, right? Yeah. And you'll be like, yeah, I'm agreeing with you. Like, stop yelling at me, you know? <laughs> Um, that's funny. That's very funny. Especially because it's like, with Kevin Durant, he's just, in general, like, exactly. very... Kevin Durant's already a somewhat incendiary yes. Twitter yeah. person. Person. So you just expect, like, if you see how Kevin Durant replied to my tweet, like, he's probably hating on me in yeah. some way. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, but yeah, that's funny. Okay, uh, stock is up on Derek Carr being whiny. Wow. <laughs> that's not really that big of a surprise. No offense. Yeah, so there's a... This report came out, uh earlier today, basically with a bunch of different quotes from players and people within the organization of the Raiders about the situation and how Josh McDaniels essentially brought the Patriot way to Las Vegas. And the Patriot way is essentially mindlessly going after every single detail and really, really, you know, pointing out everything that goes wrong, everything, whatever, right? That's kind of the bit, that's kind of the quote unquote Patriot way. Well, and Derek Carr basically misconstrued that as Josh McDaniels attacking him, essentially, is what it sounds like from the story all the time. So basically, it was it was in these meetings, you know, De Josh McDaniels would go through and they would talk about whatever, all the different plays and stuff, and Derek Carr thought he was going after him. And my thought process on that is, Derek Carr, newsflash, you're the quarterback. You're <laughs> touching the ball half the game. Of course, there's going to be more criticism of you. Like, what are we doing here? So yeah, it just didn't work out. And and from the story, it really it really the story really paints it as Josh McDaniels is just kind of like doing his job as like head coach. Yeah, they kept doing... saying like he is very consistent in what he yeah. does. He does this with everyone, but it, it was just something unusual for Derek Carr. Yeah, and just basically just Derek Carr didn't handle it very well. Which, you know, like on one hand, it's not really that big of a story. Like, yeah, obviously you're gonna have coaches and players who mm -hmm. disagree or handle things differently, but I think just because of how the situation unfolded and like the Raiders were supposed to be like the AFC West champs preseason, and then they just basically collapsed. Like, just not a good look. So, but I, but I, it does paint Josh McDaniels in a pretty positive light overall. I would say, yeah, that he's like doing all these Patriot way things. The problem is that we've seen so many other coaches go to other places and try to do the Patriot way, and, and it, it doesn't hasn't work. worked because which doesn't make any sense. Like, what's the key there? I, is it just I, Bill I Belichick? I, like, I think it might be at this point in time, like. It's just, I don't know, things are so different than they were 20, 25 years ago when Bill Belichick took over the Patriots to where, yeah. you know, if you started the Patriot way in the early 2000s, like maybe that was more accepted by players. Nowadays, it's accepted by players with the Patriots because they know the cachet of Bill Belichick. But like if Bill Belichick were to just take over, like would they respond the same way? Like if he wasn't the previous coach who won all these Super Bowls? I, I don't know. And so I think yeah. that's the problem you're running into. But also, like, Bill Belichick is just kind of the mastermind, it seems like. Uh, <laughs> stock is up on making the font of your paper a little bigger to get the page requirement. Okay, huge news out of the State <laughs> Department. They are increasing the font size of their releases to 14-point font. Okay, right? Now, listen. 
If you're somebody who's around our age, a little bit older, you know that the classic uh, secret to achieving, you know, let's say you have to turn in an English paper and it needs to be four pages. You know, you make your periods and your whole paper 14 points instead of 12 points. You it, you double space after the periods. Anything you can do to get to that four pages, yeah. whatever. Well, let, guess what? Now, the, the people with that, it's literally their job. They're doing the same thing. The State Department is like, dude, this sucks. We got to write these long releases. Like, just let's increase the font size so we have to write less. So, so what? It's going up to 14 size font? Yeah. And also, That's they're huge. changing. Well, and also, they are changing. Uh, the font that they use. So they use Times New Roman. They're changing to Calibri. Mm. So basically, uh, Derek, do you know what a serif is? <laughs> no. Okay, so a serif is a type of a font, essentially. So Times yeah. New Roman, for instance, is a serif font. What it means is, like, on certain letters, like N's or whatever, you have little, like, wings or, or accents on the end of the letters. So Calibri is a non-serif font. So they're t- basically taking away the serif as well. It's uh, the most Roman, vanilla font there is. Exactly. So basically, it's like, but some people say that serif fonts are more difficult to read. Like, if you really want to get into it, man, this is a ma- this is like a this war. is a big controversy. Yes, that in I was terms unaware of, of? In like English departments, English people, wow. like professor stuff. This is this is serious stuff. Okay, you've got non-serif versus serif. I'm just waiting for like a documentary where it's like a two-hour-long <laughs> documentary, and it's just like you have these people like arguing about it back and forth. But obviously, you know, the State Department. I mean, these are people that are generating mountains upon mountains mm-hmm. of papers and releases and all kinds of stuff. So this is a, a pretty significant change really to a increase the font and b switching to calibri which is a non-serif font see what this just sounds like to me is the state department you're gonna have a lot of like older people reading it who are like exactly your 70 year old politicians say that they need bigger fonts are more difficult to read also i think it's just they need bigger font to see it (laughs) that's that's all this is to me you know i know whatever whatever you want to do with your font go for it i guess um but that is that is weird because, yeah, your, your whole life it's like, hey, you're writing this essay. Make sure it's in, yeah, like you said, 12 points. Exactly, yeah. Like times for, New for Roman. People, for people that, have, that are our age or in their, mm-hmm. you know, the millennial generation, people growing up writing papers on the computer and stuff in grade school and high school, like, yeah, exactly. It's, it's this is a five-page paper. Find out any way you can to make it five pages, basically. Uh, stock is down on offensive coordinators who were nearly head coaches because there is a, a – Long line of them this year that things are not working out. So Byron Leftwich, he was the Tampa Bay offense coordinator the past four years, won a Super Bowl with them. He nearly got the head coaching job when Bruce Arians left and said they went to Todd Bowles. And he also was interviewing for other head coaching positions around the league. He ends up getting fired today. Yeah, I'm pretty or, surprised. Or yesterday. I'm pretty surprised that he got fired. I am too. Um, it felt like... Tom Brady kind of stunk, and the offensive yeah. line was super injured and sucked. sucked. Leonard Fournette is kind of old and washed Yeah, out and, and like Chris Godwin was coming back off that that bad, was it Achilles or, or ACL yeah, injury? ACL, yeah. um, Like, I don't think it was really Byron Leftwich's <laughs> fault. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. Uh, like, he had one bad year. I mean, I know, they, I know they threw the ball 99 times a game, mm-hmm. but, I mean. Wasn't that because they just couldn't run? And you Well, maybe Tom they should have re-signed know. Ronald Jones then. I guess. I mean, why'd they let him go? I guess. Leonard Fournette, it's bad. So, actually, the Chiefs signing Ronald Jones, it didn't really help them much, but if but it, it debilitated Tom Brady the, and the yep. Buccaneers, then it's probably a win, yep, right? I would agree. Uh, Greg Roman, who was the Baltimore Ravens uh, offense coordinator for the past handful of years with Lamar Jackson, has been getting head coaching looks. Uh, and, I mean, he's just been fantastic for what he did for them to, to reinvigorate that offense around a running quarterback. He resigned yesterday so he's no longer going to be there i don't know where he's going to go yeah that's uh, interesting and then eric Bieniemy, who continues to not be able to get a head coaching job 
He's apparently like, there's talk about, oh, could he take the Chargers offensive coordinator job? Or could he take the one of some of these other teams' offensive coordinator jobs? So like, well, he should know from playing against oh, the Chargers that moves. he doesn't want to go to be with the Chargers. No, but if he does, it almost like is to a point, if he goes to the Chargers and he does well as the offensive coordinator, he's definitely getting a head coaching job from there. Right, I think you could say that about him going to anything. anywhere. Yeah, you're it right. It doesn't have right. to be the Chargers. But I think with the Chargers specifically, it's like, oh, I have Justin Herbert. You know, if I whereas sure. if I go to like the Titans, sure, it's like, crap, I have Ryan Tannehill, <laughs> right? Maybe Tom Brady. Yeah, I guess. I guess that is a possible rumor out there. Uh, stock is either down on me or NBA marketing. One of the two. Maybe I'm just living in a in a wrong bubble here, and I missed out on this stuff. But I feel like this is an NBA marketing thing. Oh, I don't I know. Agree. Um, you had zero clue about this today, yes, too. When I yes, put this on the rundown, yes. you were like, what? That did not I, did, I literally didn't believe you. You did not believe me. I was like, me. this is not true. There was a game played in France yesterday. An NBA game. An NBA game between the Chicago Bulls and the Detroit Pistons. Like which, a first real, of all, live, like yes. regular season Correct. NBA game that Correct. counts for the wins and losses. With all the real players. Zach With all Levine the actual players. I don't know, whoever else is on the two teams. Um, Kate Cunningham. Yeah, well, no, he's injured. Oh. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, like, uh, first of all, why <laughs> did you pick the Bulls and the Pistons? Is it because Zach Levine, his, like, great-grandfather is from France? I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I had zero clue this was happening. That there was yeah. even a game in France yesterday until I read about something today, and I was like, wait, what? Yeah, I... I- don't understand it at all. I, I didn't I didn't even know about it. Why would you it. even do this? Why, why would you have a regular season game? It's not like football where you have like a week off or you have the bye week and then you can have two weeks off in between games. Like, yeah. What? Yeah, I, I, I really am not sure about this one. This is a real head scratcher. Plus, like, isn't the NBA already a pretty big like international global sport? Global sport? So. Like, do they really need to do that to like, because like, you know, the NBA, the NFL's angle on playing games overseas is like trying to expand and get reach new fan bases. But yeah. like, doesn't the NBA kind of already do that? I, I think they do. Inherently, they just do it because there are so many players who go to the NBA yes. from overseas, and then yes. all of a sudden they're like, like when Victor Wembanyama comes over, everybody in France Which is going to watch Victor all the Victor Wembanyama games. French. Yes, so I guess maybe I don't know that if that played into it. But they're already going to once he comes <laughs> to America. Like they're if, if they're basketball fans, they're already going to watch his games. Yeah. You know, they didn't well, this have to do this. Would have made more sense if it was like the Bucks playing in Greece, right, or like something like sure. that. Sure. Yeah, I guess. But even then, I don't. I just don't get it. I don't get it at all. And, and again, back to the idea. I had zero idea this was happening. Yeah, and I'm still yes. not 100 percent sure it did happen. I, yeah, I agree. I think it's a conspiracy. Uh, last one. Stock is down on Gonzaga. They last night lost their 76 game home winning streak, falling to Loyola Marymount. Which to begin with, I'm a little upset that I don't know if that's the record. I don't know. Probably UCLA had it in like the the late 60s or something. Um, but that like that's going to be such a number that's almost untouchable in this day and age. But it's like you're playing West Coast Conference teams, so it <laughs> kind of ruins it a bit. I don't um, even know what, what I don't even know what Kansas' longest win streak at Allen Field. Well, I remember they they had the one uh, in like tw- that ended in 2011. It was like 50 something, okay, high 40s maybe uh, that they lost to Texas. Um, I mean, anyway. Bill Self wins 95 percent of his games now, Field, so it's got to be pretty high. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Gonzaga lost that 76-game home winning streak. Earlier in the week, Mark Few was on a Gonzaga like players podcast with Drew Kit- Timmy and uh, a-, a former player on there, too. I think it was Nigel, uh, what was it, Goss Williams? Williams Goss? I forget which order that went in. Um, he was like calling out the team for not talking enough on defense. 
They are now ranked 14th on Ken Palm. That would be their lowest finish since 2016. And they're not even winning the West Coast Conference. That would be St. Mary's right now. So, uh, Has St. Mary's surpassed Gonzaga? That's what the people are wondering. <laughs> I mean, Drew Timmy comes back for another season. It was like, oh, this is going to be a special season. No, this is going to nope. be a very unspecial Gonzaga season, actually. Yeah. how this is going so yeah. far. Yeah, I mean... I mean, but also this to me smells like a situation where they end up being like a four or five seed, and then they just turn it on in the tournament and dominate, and then they're there again. Yeah, maybe we'll see. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is our sports stock market. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it.